This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. And as I've been sharing with you, we're going to be doing a campaign in Las Vegas. We will be running billboards from July 23rd through August 19th. And then I will be doing seven consecutive live radio broadcasts from August 1st to the 7th on KKVV. That you can watch on KKVV.com or listen to the radio. And the last time we did a billboard campaign was in 2018 in Colorado Springs. And we got a lot of angry people when we did that campaign. The billboard had in big red words, struggling with porn. And then underneath that, you're not alone, so are two-thirds of the men in church. And then our URL, blazinggrace.org. But the angry people who are even calling and messaging and emailing are not those outside of the church, 95% of them or Christians who are mad that we put the word porn on a billboard. And some of them were parents who were upset that they had to tell their nine-year-old what porn was, which my response is always, if he's nine and you haven't told him yet, it's too late. So today I have with me Sandy England. She is the director of our wives' ministry here at Blazing Grace, she leads our 10-week Wife's Heart course, and she also does one-on-one counseling with ladies and fantastic woman. So, Sandy, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So you were there amidst all that in 2018. What is your take on what was going on with Christians getting mad about the billboards? Um, you did not exaggerate at all. I think, um, it was concerning about the people that were angry, about, um, the parents that were upset, the, just that they couldn't believe that, um, they felt that it was forcing them to have a conversation that I agree with you, they probably should have had. Um, they were just not very understanding, and being Christians and knowing that there's so much issue in this with lust in the church, you'd think they'd be receptive, but, you know, it's kind of like the conferences. They didn't want to hear it, they didn't want to see it, and they were very vocal on rejecting it. So it was overwhelming, I think, sometimes. Mm. So what do you think has happened in the church that is 
we've gone to this point where we don't want to admit we got this problem. You know, I, I pray about that quite often, actually. Um, you know, I don't know if so many people are guilt and shame ridden that they don't want to um, admit that they have a problem. They think they can handle it, you know, on their own. It's only once in a while or everybody's doing it. However you look at it, um, I think it's a lot of Christians are buying into the lies of the enemy. It's not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it. Um, You know, you can handle this or whatever that is. And so they just want to ignore it and pretend it's not there. And then when people do come to them for help, they're not ready. They're not prepared. Um, They just, I don't think they always realize it's a spiritual battle that they are fighting. You know, they just want to put a label on it, lust, and move on, like alcoholism, move on. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you bring up a good point about the phrase, everybody's doing it, and you would think you would not hear that from Christians, but I've actually heard those words before. What is your take on that, especially from a wife's perspective? Well, when a wife is hearing it from mm, fellow Christians, they start feeling like they're overreacting, and that what they're feeling isn't valid, and you know, why am I so upset? Why do I feel so betrayed? Why am I so hurt if everybody's doing it? And it's because it's a severe violation of the wedding vows or the marriage vows. And, you know, when they start then questioning what they're feeling and their value, even from their, first they are getting it from their situation in their marriage. You know, if I was a better wife, this wouldn't be happening. If I did this, my husband wouldn't do that. If I looked like this, and now they're hearing it like, oh, you're overreacting because everybody does it. It's just more beating up the wife um, and how they're feeling. And they just really start questioning who they are and what they believe God made them to be. So it's really a form of gaslighting then. Um, yeah, I would, I mean, yeah, we're going to say that. That's exactly, it's like, whenever you're coming to somebody with a concern or something that you feel and somebody poo-poos it and tells you that's not a big deal um, and invalidates what you're feeling, it just, yeah, that's gaslighting. That's just making you feel like you're crazy or that, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but why am I? Mm. So it happens to the wise a lot. Well, and it must make it even harder when you read in Matthew 5 if a woman, I mean, not if, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's committed adultery. And so if she's trying to figure out, well, this is what Scripture says, but my husband's saying this. How does she cope with that? Well, exactly. And then when you go, when you say something to the husband, you know, it's quoting that Scripture, but, well, that's not what it means. It's like, yeah, that's pretty clear. That's what it means. And the wife is saying, well, now my husband says it's no big deal. The church is saying it's no big deal. So is everybody saying God's word is no big deal? And I think that's our problem in our churches, as bold as that is. Sorry. Hmm. 
Um, you talked about the spiritual battle, and what do you do? You see women coming in who have no idea that there even is a spiritual battle. What do you hear? Well, different. You know, different people are different places, but most of the time when we start in group, we start talking about our identity and who God made us be, and you know, what we believe, what we've developed, and who we think we are after this has appeared in our marriage. Um, usually we've come into the marriage with stuff, and then we start taking those lies and really looking at them and saying, is this what match what God's Word says? So then we start talking about a spiritual battle. It's like you're believing the lies of the enemy. And some of them are so subtle. They're like, it's like an aha moment when they'll say something and I'll ask them, who are you listening to? And they're like, whoa, because they don't realize that so much of what we think and feel and believe is little tiny, not little tiny, sometimes big, lies from the enemy to keep us distracted, to keep us confused, to keep us focused. I mean, then when they start understanding spiritual battle, they not only understand what's happening to them, but they can have a better understanding of what their husbands may be going through. So, yeah, it's kind of a learning experience for a lot of wives. And I think you told me once, I think you've told me there's several times that if some women have come in and didn't even know there was a spiritual battle. Yes, there's different ladies that are, you know, they're like, oh, I've heard of that, but is it real? And I'm like, oh, yes, it's real. And, you know, at first they're, pretty reluctant, and then they start seeing it in their own lives. I think that's part of how the enemy works. If you if he doesn't, if you aren't aware of it, you can't fight it. So if they're not thinking it's real, and they don't, it's like, oh, that's just, you know, that's not real. And it's like, yeah, it's very real. And you start talking about what it looks like, and then they start seeing how it's actually in their life um, daily. And they're they're just aware, but the first shock is kind of like, oh, really, Sandy? <laughs> that can't be real. Then it's like, yeah, you're under attack. Mm. So is some of this coming from they're just not hearing spiritual warfare talked about from the pulpit? I would say yes. I'd say in a lot of cases, um, they're not... <sighs> a lot of the ladies, I'm trying not to be too specific and narrow it down. A lot of ladies, what they're learning or experiencing in church is, I'm to be obedient, I'm to be loving God, and I'm to forgive, and I'm to do this, and I'm to do that, which is true, it's God's Word, but they're not told how and what they're fighting. So they're trying to be all these things because that's what they're, you know, they want to be good Christians. They want to be good wives. They want to be good moms. They want to be good um, in God's eyes. But they don't know how, and they don't know what they're fighting. You know, and then all of a sudden they're, they're under attack spiritually, and then their husband's under attack spiritually. They don't know how to defend themselves or even fight for their family. Mm. So they're not taught. So I'm curious, yeah. how, how did you learn um, to be a spiritual warrior, spiritual warrior, spiritual fighter? Where did you pick all this up? 
You know, I think I've always kind of been aware of it, um, but I wasn't real sure what it was I was mm, aware of. But the more and more, to be honest, I mean, I've always seen things and it's like, ooh, that just doesn't seem like that's from God and this feeling and that feeling. And a lot of it started with Dusty and I's recovery. And then, to be honest with you, some of the things I've experienced (laughs) and seen just being associated with Boys and Grace is amazing. (laughs) You you just know you are constantly being attacked health-wise, family-wise, you name it. Cars breaking up, your son rolling his car, you name it. And it's like all you, you know, all you do and you know you're fine is watch God and pray that he's fighting the battle for you. So, yeah, it's very real. And Blazing Grace has amplified that (laughs) for me. So it sounds like it's been kind of on-the-job training use a business <laughs> yeah business term yes on the job training but I have to say that on the job training in that awareness um, of spiritual warfare attacks is also the awareness of your growing relationship with the Lord and the strength that you have in him I know you understand but I hope listeners understand is yes you're attacked but God's word is very clear he's got you mm-hmm. and he'll guide you however whatever the enemy throws at you or he'll use it to grow you it's a blessing talk about fear and I know that the enemy gets a grip on people with fear and just fear alone can be very destructive talk about what you see women struggling with, with fear, and what the process looks like in leading them to be an overcomer in that area? Mm. Well, that's why it went from an eight-week course to a 10-week or 10-week-plus course, is when we start talking about who we are, setting boundaries, and dealing with triggers, um, And I say it throughout the course, you know, when they start saying, um, I don't want to go out with my girlfriend because what's he going to be doing when I'm at home? And I said, you're letting the enemy steal your blessings. And they're like, what? And I'm like, the enemy, you're in bondage. You're in bondage to fear. Mm. You're in bondage to, you're believing the lies of the enemy. You're letting the enemy steal your blessings, your joys. When you constantly obsessed about what your husband is doing and not doing, you're in bondage. That, the first time I say it kind of takes everybody's breath away, if that makes sense. They're like, what? Um, But it's very true. I was in total bondage to fear. And that stems my anger. That stems my insecurities. That stems my doubts. Because I was in bondage to fear. When you start, as with the wife heart course, when we start looking at what we're letting the enemy take from us and can actually say it with our mouth and give it to the Lord, then we become stronger because we're aware. It doesn't mean we will be perfect the first nine million times. It means that we're aware and we are now at least fighting to break that bondage. Mm. I think kind of like what the men go through. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a process. And it's a process of reminding everybody when they say, well, I didn't go to visit my sister for the weekend because I didn't want to leave my husband alone. Because what would he do? And he'd fall and then he'd feel guilt and shame and he'd be angry. And I'm like, you're not trusting the Lord. You're in bondage to the enemy. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that in detail about what we're believing and what we're doing and who we're letting influence us. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Did I answer? Okay. So really kind of what I'm hearing is you're saying just speaking, putting the fear out there helps cut it down to size. Well, I do think so. And I think sometimes, um, for me it does. It's like once I say it, I have a peace. I'm a visual person, as you know, Mike. So when I say, ooh, this is bugging me, I'm afraid of it, I can say it. Visually, I can take it in my hands and lay it at the cross. But if you don't even realize you're doing it or you don't even realize why you're angry or why you're in fear or that you are even in fear, um, how do you ask for help? So many ladies are praying. You know, they are they're on their knees. They're praying for their marriages. They're praying for their husbands. They really want God to, to help them and hear them, but they can't tell them what they want help with until they start seeing it. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. In, so, your, in your estimation, what percentage of women are struggling with fear walking in the door? Oh, honestly, uh-huh. 100%. <laughs> Some say no, and we kind of, you know, address it a little bit. But I'd say you can't have this kind of stuff happen to you, the betrayal, the world against you, your church against you, everything that's telling you you shouldn't feel this way, and not start getting in bondage to fear. Well, and everything you're sharing has application um, across the board. So, you know, if we let... The possibility that Christians might get furious again <laughs> when we're doing a billboard campaign in Las Vegas. You know, if we back down with fear, then you know, then we might miss out on whatever blessings God has. And I think right now the church is facing a lot of headwinds. And and then when COVID broke out, you almost you saw people struggling with fear and isolation and all that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, COVID and the church is shutting down and not supporting the people. You, be, I believe in my heart, when we do that, we've given tons of stronghold to the enemy. Instead of saying, no, we need to meet. We need to lift each other. We need to speak truth. We need to help you identify that you're possibly listening to the enemy a lie from the enemy so that you can rebuke it and stand firm in who Christ made you. If we keep as churches and society saying, oh, it's no big deal, we're giving him more power. Mm. So, yep, the billboards, and as you and I talked, it's like, well, if God opens that door, that means he's going to prepare us for it because he wouldn't send us to battle without it. Mm. Let's talk about anger for a moment. Um, I know quite a few wives struggle with what do I do with anger and some of them who let it 
grow and fester. It can turn into bitterness and rage. How dangerous is that, and how do you walk them out of that? Mm, Anger. We all have anger. We all feel something, but we have to ask why we're feeling it. So I think a lot of times, especially for many of the wives, they start understanding well, it's why it's calling and healing the wife's heart. If we start looking at ourselves, why are we reacting this way? Why am I doing this? It's kind of, I don't know. I'm not a, a guy or I don't struggle with that issue. But when I become a volcano, which is because I'm angry or, <laughs> and do my Sandy thing or Floyd, as you would call it, um, I have guilt and remorse. And I just don't feel it's like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And the enemy starts beating me up. So that's a dangerous thing. I mean, yes, what I felt was true and valid, and I needed to have a constructive way to deal with it, especially when we talk about triggers for the wives. It's like what you're feeling is real. You need to take that to the Lord before you react. I know even in the baby steps of my recovery walk with my husband, there was times in my triggers, I wanted to, my flesh wanted to rip Dusty's head off. But I would go pray and talk to the Lord, and I could look at it differently. I could still talk to Dusty about it, but not in anger. So recognizing what you're feeling, you still need to deal with something. If you're angry and wanting to be a volcano, you still have something to deal with. Don't sweep it under the rug and sit on it. Um, because it will seep. It will come up. Um, go ahead and maybe it's going to be 15 prayers. Maybe it's calling your prayer partner and, you know, talking to her about it. But you got to deal with it. If there's, don't let the enemy have you blow up so you feel guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Have You do it in a constructive way, and that's always going through God. Well, let's talk about the rogue Christian for a moment. What is your take on that, and what do you hear other people who have read the book saying? Uh, My take on it, (laughs) I have to say at first, I was like, Mike, you're asking for a lot of fight. (laughs) So, um, But there's not one piece in it that doesn't need to be said. Just like... And I can only relate to what I do daily, and that's, you know, working with the wives and walking with the wives, is you have to dress this head on. I have to tell them they're in fear. I have to tell them that the enemy is taking their step, their joy, that he's taking everything from them, and if he keeps letting them, if they keep letting him beat him up, they're just going to be, feel defeated. It's the same thing with the church. And everything in the rogue needs to be said. Everything that in the rogue is from God's Word. And we're just being meek little, I don't know what we're being meek little whatevers, but the enemy is just hammering Christians. He's hammering who we believe. And I know the book, the Bible tells us that that's going to happen. But he also doesn't ask us to just lay down and take it 
we need to stand firm in him. It says if we lean into him, we will get his strength, and we'll find our strength in him. So why do we let churches and other people just start hammering on Christians? And I think the rogue, and the people who have said it, and I know many of them are, as best they can, telling their pastors, read this, read this, we need this. And what the pastors do with it, hard to say. But I think the people who read it really agree with it. Mm. Well, we're out of time. And Sandy, this has been wonderful, and you've given us a lot of insights. And thank you for joining us, my friends, and we'll talk to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.